Blog Talk Radio. Hi and welcome to The Art of Film Funding. I'm your co-host, Claire Papan, along with Carol Dean, author of the best-selling book, The Art of Film Funding. Carol is also the founder and president of From the Heart Productions and the host of this show. Kathy Fong Yoneda is a consultant specializing in development and marketing of live action and animated film, television, literary, and web projects as well. A former executive at Disney, Island Pictures, and Disney TV Animation, she's taught workshops worldwide. She's the author of The Script Selling Game and co-exec produced the series Beyond the Break. And Carol, I noticed that Kathy is published by Michael Weesey, who publishes your book as well. That's right. Michael Weesey has the top authors. Thank you so much, Kathy, for joining us. Well, good morning, Carol and Claire, and, and thanks so much for having me back on your show. Well, we're really impressed with the second edition. Uh, this is such a good book. First of all, uh, the basics of your book are so important for all of us because of all the writing books, I think this gets into the heart of, of the writer. It tells the writer how to talk, how to act, how to listen, how to move, what to do, as w- and um, your the written information on how to create a log line is brilliant. So we have that up on our website now under our blog about creating your logged line, which we think is really important. So there's a lot to cover today, and I thought perhaps we would start with um, how the web can be your new best friend. This is the new chapter that you added. Yeah, um, I just wanted people to understand that you can use the Internet now for so many things. And uh, writers, uh, I think a lot of writers I still know, love using the pen and pad <laughs> method of, of writing. Some of them are, you know, uh, getting used to the, the computer and everything, but a lot of them actually prefer it because it makes them focus. But I want people to know that when you use the Internet, there's just so many, it, it helps you in so many ways. And uh, some of the points that I, you know, that I want to mention about it is that, first of all, it's so much easier to do research for your story details. You know, if you have never had the opportunity, like most of us have not because we don't time travel, to go back into history, you can actually get a lot of details about history just by going through the Internet and not having to go down to the library and log all those books back like we used to. Uh, there's also on the Internet, uh, in addition to, to, of course, the blogs that you and Claire have, there's all kinds of uh, blogs, video logs, podcasts, and, and uh, websites that bring most the most current information and, and interviews uh, and all kinds of uh, information that you just wouldn't ordinarily get in a daily newspaper. The uh, other thing is... Uh, it tells you when, you know, you go on the Internet, it can tell you when the latest screenwriting conferences or film festivals are coming up. Uh, and now you can even post your script online. There are, there are several different sites like Greenlight My Movie, Blacklist, Inktip, and a couple of more. You can also form writing groups online. And that's been something that's been a boon for a lot of people. Uh, sometimes if you live in a smaller community where you may not have uh, a university close by where there's a lot of uh, people who are interested in writing, go online. There are a lot of writing groups that you can join online, and they have classes or they have little meetups every once in a while, and uh, they they do uh, evaluations of one another's work. And it's it's really quite uh, inspiring to be able to to work online like that. And uh, just recently, in fact, this is just a very new thing. It's not not in my book, but uh, I was very fortunate to be one of 30 writers who was in, uh, 30 uh, specialists that were asked to be a part of Virtually Everything Story, which was the first global online conference on story. So this is a, I, I have, I really feel strongly that this is going to be 
you know, this online uh, conferencing is going to be one of the big things in the next several years where you'll be able to really find out a lot more and and, uh, be inspired and grow your community. And all of this because of of the Internet. And, of course, we all know that you you now use your Internet for streaming services like Netflix and Hulu and Amazon. So, uh, it's yes, the Internet is going to be your new best friend. (laughs) It is. It sounds like you will tell us more about this virtual everything story uh, event because aren't you taking that uh, same event to Las Vegas soon? Well, it's uh, we are the, the event that I'm going to be doing in Las Vegas actually is not going to be online. This one was online, and we had people. Virtually everything story had people from Australia, uh, England, parts of Europe. I think there might have even been somebody from South America, Canada. Um, I think we had a couple of people from Asia as well. So. It was really an amazing thing to be able to have a community of storytellers listening to all of the live conferences, live sessions that we had. We had three a day for 10 days. And after each session, there was a live Q&A where the attendees of our sessions would um, type in questions for us to answer. What was great is that uh, they have them archived until July 25th, so people can go online to uh, to get them, but they need to sign up for that. That's a special uh, fee for those who didn't get a chance to attend the live conferencing when we had it. But the one in um, Las Vegas is the future of story, and this is something that Michael Weesey and his authors have been doing for the last several years. Uh, it's usually right around the time of the University Film and Video Association's conference, which is uh, the beginning of, of August. So this year it will be... Uh, uh, at the conference site, which is at Green Valley Resort. And uh-huh. it's a chance to uh, – we're going to have a, a panel. There's going to be, I think, 15 or 16 of us authors there. And uh, we'll be able to share some of the latest info, the trends, what genres are popular, and answer questions uh, for these people. In addition, the last hour or so, we are going to do uh, some pitching so people are going to be pitching projects to us. We're dividing up into four different groups, and people will be able to pitch, do a speed pitching. They'll be able to have two minutes to get their pitch to us, and there'll be four of us, and they will get instant feedback from oh, the exciting. industry. Yeah, it is. So we're really excited about it. If you belong to UFVA, it is part of your conference fee, so you'll get in free. If you... Uh, uh, are not a member of UFVA, it'll be $30. But when you consider that most of the consultants, uh, if you have to go to one of their, their one-day workshops, you usually are paying at least two or $300. So to be able to go in there and actually be able to pitch a project and get a little bit of feedback from four different people, that's pretty much worth the price or, and more for $30. <laughs> Oh, it certainly is. That is very inexpensive. So it's at Green Valley. How do they sign up for this if they want? Well, um, I, uh, if, if you go to my uh, Facebook page, you would be able to do that. I mean, you can, you can see the information that I have on that. And my Facebook page is um, the Script Selling Game. So it's just www.facebook.com slash the script hyphen selling game. Great. Great. Thank you so much. Well, now let's talk about the animation revolution that's going on in your book. You really opened my eyes to things I didn't know about. Well, you know, I am a huge, huge animation uh, fan. I I don't know. I mean, I when, I, when somebody asked me, when Jane Rosenthal, who now heads up Robbie, Robert De Niro's uh, company, when she asked me to come over as a story analyst, uh, I just got so excited. Oh, I'm going to be on the Disney lot. Oh, this is so much fun, you know, and all this. And what bothered me is that um, still people were looking at animated movies as just cartoons. And so they were kind of considered the stepchild of, of filmmaking. But I'm telling you, in the last 10 years, a lot more respect has, has come their way. They have, they finally have their own much-deserved Oscar category for for starters. Also, technology has just revolutionized animation. It just makes 
makes the whole animation process much easier and in and, and many ways much cheaper than what it used to be. I remember the days when it used to take two or three years before you can get an animated movie out. And now a lot of times it can be done in a year or less. So that's uh, quite an improvement. Also, what's great is that it's cool now. You see, in Hollywood, it's now a cool thing if you're a celeb, especially if you have kids, to do voices of the animated characters. So now we have people like, you know, Angelina Jolie, of course, you know, was probably the biggest name who who stepped up to to star in Maleficent. And uh, Tom Hanks plays Woody, and Eddie Murphy is the dragon in Shrek, and so many more. I mean, you just have these celebrities who are now stepping up to the plate and saying, oh, I want to do a voiceover, because it's some of them are starring in movies that their kids are probably too young to understand or see. <laughs> right, uh, but it's so much fun. I, I oh, really understand yeah. that. We saw <laughs> and, Finding and also, Nemo. Uh, Finding yeah, Nemo. I love oh, that. Oh. Both of them were good. Well, you know, um, this, you know, there's still, I, I, what I love is that, animation really it's it's a wonderful arena that you can focus on entertainment for family and children i that's my one of my specialties i I just i had to laugh a little bit because finding dory and the secret life of pets all debuted at number one at the box office against very strong live action films (laughs) and that that's incredible. <laughs> they, I think each of them made over, um, or I know Finding Dory made over $100 million in its just first weekend. So that's a, that's a pretty major uh, step forward for a lot of animated films. Um, it is. Oh. You're not kidding. That is wonderful box office. Well, all right, let's talk, too, about your chapter on Talking the Talk, Industry Speak. Well, um, in the beginning of, of each of my chapters, um, you will notice that I tell a real-life story that pertains to the subject of the chapter. And for Talking the Talk, I tell the, tell my readers about this client of mine from Canada who had his first meeting with a production company. And after he had his meeting, I called and asked how the meeting went, and he excitedly told me about Oh, the producer and the director, yeah, they were dressed in black, and, and I could see the Hollywood sign from their offices. And, and then they started talking about attaching something to my script, and uh, then, then they were telling me that they thought that maybe this could be franchise and that they needed to know who was fronting me and, and, uh, where, and whether or not would there be enough room for a back end. And then he, he asked me, he says, so is this good or bad? <laughs> and I realized <laughs> that in the entertainment industry, we do we have so much slang terminology that most folks that are not connected to the business probably wouldn't understand what was going on. So in this chapter, I just thought the best way to do this is I'm going to take this unproduced brother and sister writing team, and I'm going to have them go to a pitch fest and then to a meeting and then have them get an agent, have their movie produced, and eventually turn into a TV series as well. And I'm going to try and explain what happened to them and add all the industry-speak terms in it, and then I'll intersperse it with these paragraphs that explain what are they really saying in plain English. <laughs> yes, because, you know, I teach uh, intentional filmmaking and with Tom Malloy, who's and both of us have been in the industry for a long time. So. Oh, I know Tom. He's another MWP writer, too. I love him. Yes, he's so much fun and great to work with. He's just talented at teaching as well as writing. But the funny thing is that you'll we'll ask, you know, Tom will talk for 20 minutes or something, and I'll ask for questions, and, and they'll say something like, What's a log line? And you think, oh my gosh, we have to start from the very beginning. So that is, that's class number one. The pitch, the log line, the trailer, and learning the language. But I'm going to suggest, writer or not, that they get your book because there's so much good information in here, Kathy. And that one chapter is worth the book for emerging filmmakers. Well, I think it's important that. Uh, if you're going into a career, you need to know as much about 
the industry as you can. And so this chapter actually is twofold. It gives you a little bit of an idea about what to expect when you are in a meeting, as well as what are some of the common terminologies that you're going to come across. So it, it took care of, of, of two uh, important things that I think emerging writers do need to know. So that's actually, but but ha- my client in Canada, that was, <laughs> after I had that phone call with him, I realized, you know what, Kathy, you have to put that, that in a book. You really do. <laughs> yeah, absolutely right. Well, I really uh, enjoyed your, uh, you've got nine reasons why scripts are rejected. And that's the heart of uh, the show today, is what causes scripts to be rejected? Can you share some of those with us? Oh, more than happy to do so. I mean, I can't do all nine, but I'll I'll, I'll do quite a few of, uh, of them. Um, you know, a lot of it has to do with the fact that, unfortunately, the studios get more than 1,000 submissions every month. Whoa. And yes, if you include the meetings that they take for, with pitches, so that's the, that's that's quite a bit of of um, work to get through. And so, a lot of them, what they'll do is they they send stuff down to the to the story department. And so, as a story analyst, which is how I started off in in, in this industry, I realized that there are three things that that most writers, emerging writers especially, are not careful about doing. The first thing is what, what I call the snail trail tangled yarn start. And it really boils down to the fact that you have got to grab that executive's interest or that producer's interest in the first 10, 20 pages. And if you don't, I swear to God, most of them will just skip to the end and read the last five pages to see how it ends. Some of them don't even do that. Because that's how much work we have. I mean, there's, there's every, every you know, year, I mean, every month, if you have to think about it, that's a, that's a lot, a thousand different projects to consider. So if you start off too slowly and don't give us uh, a, your hook right in the beginning, uh, people aren't going to go any further. The other problem is when people start to put too much stuff in the beginning of their script. They try to do everything uh, cram everything in there, and it's just too much. They're introducing too many of the sub-stories, or they are uh, putting too many characters into the first ten pages and making it very hard for us to kind of keep track of what's going on. Now, the the second uh, distraction that we have sometimes, too, with and, and is a major cause of, of rejection, is what I call the mid-story fag. Most people know how they want to start, their story, and most people know how they want to end it. When it comes to the middle, they, which is the largest section, really, of, of your three acts, it kind of makes you, uh, it's, uh, when I'm reading it, I can tell if it's been well thought out or not. And usually it's when the story starts to sag, it gets very episodic, or it gets to be too talky or something. It's just... One of these things where suddenly the energy is let off. You have maybe an exciting hook, and then all of a sudden, there it just sort of the, if the energy level goes way, way down. And so we call it the mid-story sag. Uh, right along with that, though, right after that is what I call the frenzied finish. Uh, <laughs> every it's it's sort of like it's like the writer. You know that you 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 can just see him. He's at page 80, and all of a sudden he realizes, oh, my God, I've got to hurry and finish this, because most most scripts now are in the 100 to 110 page area. So they've, they've only got 10, 20 pages to finish up. And they will just, like, try to cram everything in there at the end. Or my least favorite thing, which was fine when you, um, you know, if, you, if you've seen, I don't know if you ever saw Ironside or some of the older TV shows or the Angela Lansbury one, where they would sit everybody down and explain, well, I knew that so-and-so was guilty because, and they explain everything. Now, I've seen that happen so many times, especially when people are doing things that have to do with mysteries. And you'll notice that that's just not the way uh, to to tie up loose ends like that. You really need to give the audience some kind of a, a clever way of revealing 
why things uh, turned out the way they did without sitting down and having somebody explain it to the camera. So those are the three big ones. Now, and this is terrible too because I know there's so many books out there on on uh, this is this is the this is the secret formula for how you do your script and and you have to listen. This is my formula for doing this. Okay. I call it the same o same o syndrome. Uh, it's when you your script becomes too formulaic. So I like to give an analogy to baking a cake, all right? Yes, you, you do have to have a beginning, middle, and end. You do have to have interesting characters. There are certain standard things. Just like a cake has the standard flour, eggs, and oil, you have to kind of deviate from the recipe once in a while and add a few new ingredients or maybe omit, omit some of the things that, that you usually put in. Uh, maybe change the proportions slightly or adopt new techniques of, of uh, making the cake or experiment with the presentation for something that's inventive. So what it boils down to is you need to infuse the script with an innovative style that has some creative plotting. Um, you have to have distinctive but very memorable characters and, and some fresh dialogue in there. So there are standard things that you are going to, that yes, your, your structure usually has to be the same. And I know Quentin Tarantino fans are going to argue with me and say, but Quentin Tarantino doesn't do beginning, middle, and end. I said, well, he just starts off at the end first and then switches back and forth. But there is a beginning and a middle and an end to every story. So the yes. same old, same old. <laughs> it's, it's and to, to add uh, Quentin Tarantino's um, <laughs> chapters, uh, usually have me holding my breath. They they create so much tension. They all start off at like zero, and then they build and they build and they build. And then when you can't, you're holding your breath and you're sitting there and you realize, my God, what tension I'm feeling. And then when mm-hmm. he ends it, but he knows how to take a scene and create something special during that scene. Would you agree? Oh, definitely. I mean, what he did was he changed the proportions and he experimented with presenting it. But he still, there still is a story in there that kept you on the edge of your seat. Yes. So it's not, it's, I, when people say, but he, he didn't, he didn't follow the structure. He may not have, have done it beginning, middle, and end in that order. He went back and forth, back and forth. But right. it takes very clever plotting, very creative plotting, to be able to do that. And, and, and in the bottom line, it's all about story, right? Oh, definitely. I mean, you want to, you want your audience. You also don't want to confuse them. Uh, that's that's another thing. Sometimes people are. That's what they're doing is they're confusing. Uh, the audience when they feel okay. Well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to keep going back and forth, back and forth. And that's, you know, like when you have too many flashbacks or you have too many um, scenes that are, are changing locations in one, it, like in your beginning, you have no idea what is going on here. So if you don't have that clarity of, of uh, storytelling, it'll show on the screen when, you, when uh, you haven't had a chance to really figure it out in a way that makes sense. Where it's where the plot is is really distinct, and you have characters that people are just mesmerized with, and they are intensely following them and what they are saying and doing. Right, you know, Kathy, this story writing information really encompasses documentaries too, because I got you know we have this film grant, we get a lot of documentary submissions, and mm-hmm. the biggest problem I have is. What's the story? Remember that old film, What's the Story, Richie? It was Lovers and Other Strangers. And, <laughs> and he kept asking that question. Well, this is it. Um, well, it's it's on page three, and it's a third uh, chapter down. Third chapter. <laughs> one chapter on the whole story, and you gave me 15 pages on the proposal. Yes, but I covered this and that and the other. But that's but we fund stories. Well, what do you want me to do, they say. And how, I don't know how to say it other than, <laughs> well, where's the story? So, And, and I guess um, I wanted to ask you, when you do read scripts, do they also send you the synopsis, and do you read the synopsis? 
Well, as an executive, no, they don't send synopses. They just send the script. Uh, as a consultant, sometimes they'll send along a synopsis as well. But, um, you know, there is that thing, too, about, you know, and I'm sure you've come up against this, too, where sometimes people will send in the best proposals or the best uh, synopses, but yeah. when it comes down to giving you the whole enchilada, the whole script, it's a disappointment because they haven't uh, really uh, figured out how the whole story is going to unfold, how the characters are going to be developed, how are they going to build the story so that uh, people will be not only uh, interested from the beginning but will stay with it throughout well, for a film, for two hours, or for a documentary, for an hour. I mean, you've got to be, be able to have a story that builds with characters that keep people riveted. I'd really exactly. love to ask a question about yeah, that. That I, I look for in the future, you know. Uh, sometimes even the worst people you like, you can't help but like them. And uh, you wonder, what's wrong with me? <laughs> You know, uh, you like this guy, and uh, we're, we've been watching that uh, TV show, uh, The Night Of, and I'm telling you, John Turturro has created a character you can't help but like. Have you seen that yet? I haven't seen that. Oh, my God. I'm going to have to put that on my list. <laughs> yeah. yeah you, yes, I'd love to hear your comments on that. But please talk about character development, because just the least little thing I remember in um, Save the Cat, in that uh, Blake's book about um, De Niro in the first scene, we got his character because it was a raid. He was an FBI agent or something, and and a guy was coming to a meeting where they were arresting all of him because of whatever. But the guy came with his son, and De Niro saw him, and he flashed his badge and said to him, catch you later, and, and warned him, don't come in here and saved him from being embarrassed in front of his child. So we knew that he's a tough guy, but he has a heart. He has a heart, yeah. Well, you know, characters, I mean, that, that you know, the, the question that I'm always asked a lot is, is what is it when I'm reading a script? What do I look for? And the first thing I'll say, a character, a character that I am so involved with his story and who he is and what he wants to do or what his challenges are that I can't stop reading the script. And so, yeah, I mean, your characters, they're the ones who really are responsible for carrying that, carrying your story. So, you know, you've got to be able to, they have to capture our interest and our sympathy and um, they've got to be vulnerable. It has to be relatable. You know, they can't be just, oh, courageous. Uh, which is another thing, because sometimes you know people will say, "Oh, but my guy is the good guy, and so he does everything right." And I'm thinking, "Well, that's nice, uh, but you know, all of us are not perfect, <laughs> and we like to kind of see a little bit of of us, I think, in in these characters." And so sometimes you like, and I think some of the best characters are those that are rather imperfect, and they right. gradually achieve something that is sort of beyond what they ever thought or dreamed about, and so. You know, we have to see a character that's really going to be put to the test, either physically or emotionally, and 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 you have to sprinkle it with all these plot complications that are standing in in his or her way. Um, you know, I, 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 one of my favorite movies is Up. Did you? You saw that movie, didn't you? The animated movie. It's about the uh, the eighty year old guy who overcomes his sorrow with you know when his wife dies and he finds the will to live when he shares his sense of adventures with a lonely little uh, wilderness scout and that in this animated film up and I uh, I just love that because he's he starts off being really cranky and he's he's kind of mean actually mean spirited to that poor little wilderness scout who's just trying to earn a patch and they end up right. going into that, you know, being carried away by all those helium balloons in his house. And they are, you know, end up in South America somewhere. But that whole relationship between 
this guy who's 80 and this little kid who's eight or nine it's just amazing, and I you you see that oh he was just such a mean guy to that little kid in the beginning, but by the end I mean he risked everything to save that kid's life, and to and to make sure that he uh, even though his father didn't show up at the scout badge ceremony he did I mean so you you can't help but love characters like that and want to stay with them and and see how they accomplish things. Uh, exactly. I think yeah character arcs are just you know those are the that's the physical and emotional journey that, that all your characters take, and you really have to have your audience invested in them for, uh, for a movie to work. Exactly. I totally agree. And you've made that really clear in, in your book. So, um, But I, I really want to thank you for this chapter you wrote on creating opportunities for yourself uh, because it's really important to know what you can do to help yourself, uh, um, and I really w- I want you to share that because we, as writers, sometimes you feel so helpless because you know you've got the talent, you know you've got the great ideas, but then how do you convince others, and what can you do while you're waiting? And so tell us some of your ideas. Well, um, I have to say that. You know, I I realize that a lot of people that are listening to this are saying, well, yeah, I don't even know why I'm I'm doing this because I don't even live in Hollywood or in L.A. and and I'm never going to be able to, you know, meet all these people and network with, you know, all these producers and all that. Well, you have the Internet now, and so use it and search out. Uh, There's tons of screenwriting competitions. There's also screenwriting fellowship programs and um, that's one of the things I really want to talk about. Uh, Disney and ABC have uh, both. Uh, well, Disney especially. I mean, they're they're a whole company. ABC owns Disney, but Disney has a uh, fam has a uh, film uh, fellowship program that you can enter, and ABC has a TV writing fellowship program. Uh, also, NBC has Writers on the Verge. They and these are programs where they will pick about eight or ten writers, and you do have to submit, um, you know, submit scripts. Sometimes it's spec scripts, you know, spec uh, episodes of a script. Sometimes it's a, a spec uh, pilot of a, you know, pilot of a show that you would like to, you know, that, that comes from your own original idea. Uh, also, uh, Warner Brothers has a writers' workshop, and CBS has a mentoring program, and Nickelodeon has a writing fellowship, which is uh, specifically aimed for people who want to get into uh, family programming. So all of these, and by the way, uh, I, as if people are trying to write all of this down, all you have to do is just you can reach me um, uh, by email, and I'll be happy to you know to give you that info. My email is Kathy K A T H I E at kathyfongyoneda.com, and that's K-A-T-H-I-E-F-O-N-G-Y-O-N-E-D-A.com. So, you know, these screenwriting fellowship programs, though, uh, most of them usually, I think the, I think it's just past the deadlines. I think the last deadlines were in May or June. But you have the rest of this year to, to get your scripts all put together. But you go to those web uh, websites that I will be giving you in uh, in that sheet of paper when you you know when you ask for it, and it gives you all the information that you need on it. It's we don't have enough time here to go over everything, but those fellowship programs are amazing. And if you happen to get in, many many I would say, in fact I would say most of those people by the time they get out, uh, several of most of them get signed as with agents or managers. Some of them actually get staff positions, and uh, several of them will get uh, freelance uh, episodic uh, assignments. So it does help you to get started. The other thing is screenplay competitions. Now, I unfortunately have to admit that when you do a Google (laughs) for screenplay competitions, you're probably going to get like something like 30,000 of these things coming up on the screen. And I know it's difficult to know which ones are best. I do cover a little bit in there on how you can try and vet them. But um, I also have a list of some of those screenwriting competitions. And these, the ones that I have on that I'm going to mention to you are ones that my clients have found to be of particular uh, they, they really thought that they were well-run, 
that uh, they were organized, that they got something uh, meaningful out of it. And, and that is, uh, some of them are, of course, the Nichols. Then there's the Page International Screenwriting Awards. Final Draft, Big Draft, uh, big, sorry, Final Draft, Big Break. Uh, Sundance Screenwriters Lab. There's um, Blue Cat, uh, the Austin Screenplay and Teleplay Competition, Scripted Palooza. And so those are some of them. And, you know, there are others. The ones that I've mentioned, though, are ones where I know I've had clients that have uh, entered and have actually done pretty well, 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 where they've gotten in, like, maybe into the finals um, or into the semifinals. So, uh, well, the Nichols, if you can get into the semifinals, that's actually pretty decent. Uh, some of these competitions, gosh, they have as many as seven, 8,000 entries or more. That's Incredible. pretty amazing. I know. <laughs> so um, all of those will be in, those, in, in, in that little handout that I'll be happy to send to you guys. Okay, because this is exactly what they need to know. Oh, my gosh, great fellowships. Thank you. We appreciate what? that. You know, I heard, and I've always thought it must be wrong, that something like 50,000 scripts a year are registered with the Writers Guild. Oh, that's right, yeah. (laughs) Can you imagine how many are not registered? (laughs) My heavens. So if they're registered with the Writers Guild, you know, and how many writers are in the Guild, I wonder. There are about, I want to say, Gosh, I, I want to say something like between twelve and fifteen thousand writers. Wow. Of which, of which, let me get this is a, a statistic. Of which, five uh, percent are actually um, working writers, where they make their full time, uh, their their full time, you know, as a writer, you know, and not That's- as a writer and waiter. So, yeah. <laughs> That's still better than the actors. I think theirs is three percent. A three percent. Oh my gosh! <laughs> the actors. This is what I heard. Make over a five thousand a year. Oh, <laughs> let me let me. I just want to add one more thing about the the fellowships and the competitions. You know, most net. A lot of people don't know this, but most network studios and production companies and agencies. They have a creative exec or someone who's assigned to read the final submissions of most of the major competitions. So some of the finalists may actually, and, and I've done that, where I've, I have read the final, the finalists, and maybe if there's there's a couple of them that I think are really talented, I actually have asked them to meet with me, or um, and I have friends who have done the same thing, who are agents or managers who have done that. If they read the finalists and they see somebody in there that's really got a great spark uh, that of talent, um, they will actually get asked to meet with them. So, you know, some of them obtained representation and gotten some work optioned or sold as a result, especially if, if you're a winner or if you're one of the finalists. So it is worthwhile. <laughs> Wonderful. Kathy, I, I oh, believe that, that um, just in terms of thinking when you when you hear about how many submissions and things go on um, with any, you know, whether it's a film festival or whatever it may be, what is it that you would say to these writers and filmmakers that would encourage them beyond the numbers? You know what I'm saying? Um, the, the success stories of people who thought they'd never get weeded out through the thousands and thousands of other films that are submitted. What would you say to them? Well, you're never going to win if you don't try. And I think that's the, the, the best thing that I can tell them. It's worth trying. Uh, I do think you need to be selective about it. Uh, I do think that you need to to vet uh, all of them. And I, and I have that in my book, if you want to, you know, it, which tells you a little bit about the questions you should ask before you start um, just sending your scripts in. Because some, some of the competitions... They may be like there's. I think there's one that's just it's for family films, and there are others where maybe like some of the film commissions have them too. And that, but what it'll it'll have a little uh, sidebar that says uh, at least 50% of the shooting must be done in our state, things like that. So you have to be very careful about how you select them. But you know, it's worth trying. It is you know this. I have had clients 
who have gotten, you know, a chance to, to really get their work noticed by agents and producers just because they were a finalist or a semifinalist in the competition. Absolutely. Thank you, Claire. That's a great question. I'll, I'll say that the we get a lot of submissions for the grant, and we only have mm-hmm. one winner. So uh, we give everybody a free consultation to give them uh, guidance on how to move their projects to a higher level. But the most important thing I tell them is keep applying. Don't take this as a forget about it. Don't stop now. You're just getting started. If you're not piling up rejections, you're not doing your job. But just like Kathy said, research, because it's a waste of time to apply for any grant or any money where it does, you don't fit their um, mantra. Whatever it is they say they're looking for, you have to fit inside that. And that's where you really keep trying, because a lot of people have won our grant who applied for the third time. Wow, that's wonderful that you guys are able to do that. Most of these other competitions, um, they they don't. I mean, they don't have time to give the feedback. Can you imagine trying to give feedback to 5,000 different screenwriters? Incredible. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Well, all right, this is good. Um, So let's go. I understand that you're on the board of the L.A. Web Fest. This is the Mm -hmm. world's web series festival. So tell us what goes on at the festival. Oh, well, um, it was started in 2010, and next spring, actually, will be our eighth year. Uh, Michael Lajakwi is the founder. He is the one who founded the first web series festival. Michael is actually uh, an Emmy uh, Award-winning screenwriter. He used to work on the staff of Talk Soup. I don't know if you guys ever saw that. I I love Talk Soup. But um, anyway, Michael did that. He's also a uh, prize-winning playwright, and he started watching a web series back in, I think it was 2008 or something, and he just became mesmerized by them and realized, oh, my God, here's a whole new platform, a whole new arena where people can write. And so he, he wrote his first web series, and he says, hmm, well, i got to see if there's anybody else. And he started asking around, and uh, Pretty soon, before he knew it, he had like forty. He knew about thirty or forty people, and they all said, "Well, I either know somebody, or that they had, themselves had dabbled around and had talked about, um, you know, or had had done some kind of uh, stuff for the web." So he decided, "Let's all get together. Well, you know, I want to show them all." So um, I think the first year he had maybe about forty or fifty um, web series. Uh, well, we now. <laughs> We, I think last year we had 140 that we show, showed. Uh, wow. Web series. Well, and what it's fun that would be. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, we not only screen the, uh, we not only screen them, we also have, um, this is very important to Michael, he did not want this to be just something where you just show people's work and that's it and maybe give out an award or something he really wanted to be able to encourage and inspire people to you know hey this is a creative new area let's let's try and do something together and so all of our um all of our partner web series uh web series creators that are in um that have web fest uh we have we always make sure that we have panels on various aspects of production uh, about how they – the favorite thing is we have several of these, how I made my web series in, because we have uh, a great – a lot of them from Canada, Australia, uh, from the United Kingdom, from Italy, from South America. And so we have all of these. And my favorite thing, it's, which is close to my heart, is I do the Woman Warrior panel. Web series – I would say about 40 to 45% of the web series creators that I have met are female. Now, you put those demographics up against how many producers do films. <laughs> it's yes. 45% of them that I've met have been women. And so I delight in having some of these gals on my panel. And it's just, it's, it's just, inspiring to hear their stories a lot of them were um were basically you know laughed at when they tried to make it in feature films or they you know they people didn't take them seriously and uh and now they're running their own shows and web series 
and several of them actually have have gone on to do you know to do other things. So uh, also we make sure to have a lot of networking opportunities at the uh, at our uh, webfest, and um, th- and we do have an award show as well. So that's basically what goes on. And last year, um, this past year in April, we had it at uh, Warner Brothers. It was the first time that they ever had a uh, festival put on their lot. So I don't know if we're going to do it again or not, but I I hope so. It all depends on what's what, what the, how busy their lot is going to be. But we are just so excited because it's really uh, come a long way. Uh, you know, I think that that you know web series is something that is contagious once you start looking at them you you, you want to know okay well what else is out there so uh, i hope you know everybody will start looking at web series they're a lot of fun oh i totally agree but and do you script them just like you do a feature i mean does every or does each one of them have a beginning a middle and the end uh how does it work with writing well, you know, or a web for if, if you're doing one that uh is is you know that's got a, a um if it's not a uh, nonfiction-based, like a not, we have nonfiction as well as fiction-based uh, web series, and uh, the format for writing a, we- a regular web series is exactly the same. You know, you use Final Draft probably, and and uh, it's you know it you're right. It you know it goes with the usual script format and beginning, middle, and end, and all that. But for a lot of writers, writing web series is so much harder. I mean, for writers who write feature-length films or even one-hour dramas, they find the time frame to be very challenging because most web series are, are like two to – each episode is like two to ten minutes. So <laughs> some web series are, are episodes are as long as 20 or 30 minutes, but most of the web fests now are putting limitations because then it starts getting into the short film category. Yes. Uh, it's, right. it's much easier to write long than it is to write short. And each episode still has to have that beginning, middle, and end. And the end of each episode still has to have somewhat of a cliffhanger so viewers will return to see what happens. Now, web series are usually you know, seen by, by most of us who want a what I call snack-sized piece of entertainment, <laughs> like when they're on a break at work or to view on their iPhone when they're taking the subway or the bus. Um, I think that's where a lot of people have said they first discovered web series is that they just you know they they just wanted to do something on their break that would just sort of you know free their mind a little bit and but be entertained yes that's a great place it's a good audience for them so do you do workshops kathy i do um i mostly focus on the business side of filmmaking things like pitching networking marketing for novelists tv and uh, uh film and uh web series creators i uh have done workshops for specialty groups like Mystery Writers of America, Sisters in Crime, Romance Writers of America. Uh, I, I do workshops at universities, writing conferences, script fests, film festivals, and, and uh, of course, web fests. Uh, the next event, of course, is that Future of Story. Uh, so um, that's the next thing I'll be doing. And after that, I'm happy to say I've been invited to teach at um, – the K-Web Fest, which is in Seoul, South Korea. So next month at this time, I will be in Korea. (laughs) How wonderful. What a great trip for you. Are you looking forward to it? I really am. I really am, yes. (laughs) Well, We have a large Korean market in the Los Angeles area, and I see a lot of uh, Koreans now in films, uh, web series, TV, and everything. So mm-hmm. that they, you should have a packed house. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to it. Good. Well, tell us how people can reach you. Okay. Um, my email is Kathy, again, K-A-T-H-I-E, at KathyFongYoneta.com. And my website is just www.kathyfongyoneta.com. And you can reach me also through Facebook. Uh, it's just facebook.com and slash the script hyphen selling game. Well, and you work with people who are writers uh, to take their materials to a higher level? Mm-hmm, I do. Uh, I do a lot of consulting. Uh, I just finished one on an animated um on a little animated project. I, I also did just finished another one that's uh, for a children's book. And I think the next one I'm doing is from the a, a pair of writers from Singapore. 
which is uh, doing a historical thing, uh, historical drama. So it's kind of nice. I, I, I love story. <laughs> so I, I love being able to, to read everybody's story and, and just thinking, hmm, how am I so lucky to be able to do something that I that you know I really enjoy? So uh, consulting has has provided me with that, at, without having to uh, do things like schmoozing with people I I don't know or don't like. <laughs> yes, I think you're so right. I love working with people on a one to one. It's as if you have you are a tiny part of this great film, and it's, when it gets completed, it's a great feeling, isn't it? Oh, it is. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Kathy, and thank you, Claire, for helping with the show. Well, okay. thanks so much for having me, and um, to all of you content creators out there, uh, I'm wishing you the best with your projects. <laughs> yes, and talk to Kathy, email her, because I think that, that the information you have on the fellowships is uh, wonderful, and they can look online and find LA Web Fest and see when that will be this year, right? Mm-hmm. Actually, if you you know you can also contact me if you're gonna you know if you want me to send you, I, I have another little uh, list that has some of the web web series festivals around the world, and I'm happy to send that to you. Just put in a request, and just make sure that on the subject line you put down screenwriting competition or fellowship or web fest, and I'll know which one to send you. Okay, thank you so much. Look forward to talking to you in the future, Kathy. Okay, take care. Take care. Bye. Be well, everyone. Now, in its second edition, Carol Dean's popular book, The Art of Film Funding, has 12 new chapters to cover all areas of film financing and how to avoid expensive pitfalls. Learn how to start with an idea and end with a trailer. How to make an ask for money. Create your story structure and your trailer. Legal advice. Fair use successful crowdfunding, how to ask for music rights, and what insurance you can't shoot without. Available on Amazon under Carol Dean and at FromTheHeartProductions.com. I want to remind our listeners that David Raiklin is a brilliant and talented award-winning musician who scores films and can compose music for a trio or for a full orchestra. David is a very good friend to the independent filmmaker and comes highly recommended by From the Heart Productions. If you need music to help tell your story, please contact him at davidraiklin.com. That's David, R-A-I-K-L-E-N dot com. And Carol and I want to thank you for tuning in to The Art of Film Funding. Please visit our website at fromtheheartproductions.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Good luck with your films, everyone.